Before getting to the sermon this morning, I want to echo uh, Jana's announcement and add my own welcome to Regina Natanga, who is joining us this morning all the way from Uganda, representing Building Tomorrow, a program that builds schools in rural parts of Uganda. Regina, would you wave your hand and stand up so, just so that people can see you and welcome you? Regina, we're so glad that you are here today. I want all of you to see Regina and to, yes, let's welcome her. Regina's going to be in the Knox room following worship, and I really want you to go and say hello to her and meet her. She is an enthusiastic, intelligent, amazing young person who is doing incredible work for people who need it the most, and interacting with her will help you to feel so great about the work that this congregation is doing in mission. And I want to mention to you something that I know that Regina will not, She is here to teach you about her country and her culture and the organization that she represents. And she is here because she wants our money. (laughs) And Regina is not alone. I've been asked this morning to share this with you because the Stewardship Committee wants you to have a little bit of an insight into my experience this time of year. Every day that I come to work two weeks before Christmas, I get a couple phone calls or emails at least every single day asking, Adam, how are we doing on stewardship? I get these questions from organizations all over our city that Knox Church supports. I get them from every program director on our staff and every committee chair in the church. They all want to know what we're going to be able to do in 2017. And at this point, I am telling them, we're not quite there. But I know that we will be because Knox Church is a community that always comes through. Can I get an amen? Thank you. This, this is a time of year when the business office has come to me and has said, Adam, we think that based on the number of pledge cards we have in so far, we're going, going to come up about fifty dollars to $75,000 short of our goal. And that means that our church officers will go to work figuring out who, like Regina, we are going to say, we couldn't quite do what we wanted to for you. And so my reminder to you today on behalf of the Stewardship Committee is to let you know that right in your pew rack there, there is a pledge card. They're also available here at the Michigan Avenue desk and also on our website. If you have forgotten to make your pledge just yet or if you have not made one before because you did not think we needed your help, please give what you can. We need all the help that you can give us. And the recipients are eagerly waiting because they represent children and families and all kinds of interests that need your help. Thank you for your support. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your blessings that surround us in this day and for the blessings of this season Advent. And as we open the mysteries of your word this morning, may the words of my mouth And the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
It brings me such happiness to be in church with you this morning. Christmas is such a great time to be in church. And we're almost there. Just like Dee was sharing with our children, we're here in the third Sunday of Advent. The poinsettias will arrive this week. The Knox music series is next Sunday. Today we lit the candle on our wreath that symbolizes joy, and next week we will sing all of your favorite Christmas carols in worship. You all continue to decorate your homes and to bake cookies and to attend parties, and it's all so happy. Unless you are someone who has lost a loved one this year and are spending Christmas without them. Or unless you have a conflict within your family that is impossible to ignore when the holidays arrive. Or unless you've been going to Christmas parties where everyone is drinking and you're in recovery. Christmas can be a difficult and complicated and lonely time of year. If you are having a great Christmas season and have no complaints and no room for improvement in your life, I congratulate you. But Christmas is hard for many folks. And this morning I want to talk about that for a few minutes. Even when times are very good for us, this is an introspective season for many. We are all a little skeptical of the materialism and the surface-level happiness all around us in December. All of us wish that we could find a little bit more of the real joy of the season. And to find that joy, we often need to dig deep and do some work. Or as I have heard it said, in order to find real joy... You have to make yourself strong in your broken places. So today's reading comes from a broken place. It is written in a prison cell. It is a lesser known story about the same character we hear about every Advent, John the Baptist. In the story we heard today, John has been thrown into prison The powers that be have had quite enough of his public questioning of authority, and they have locked him up. Prison was no picnic in the ancient world, but it seems to have been at least humane enough that prisoners were able to send and receive messages to people on the outside. So John the Baptist, suffering in prison and hearing that a man named Jesus is preaching good news to those who are suffering. John sends a message to that man, Jesus, and asks, Are you the one who was promised to us? Are you the one we've been waiting for? Jesus' answer suggests that yes, he is the one, but rather than just coming out and saying it, Jesus tells John to look at the evidence. He says, look at what I've been doing and decide for yourself, John. When John asks Jesus how we're supposed to know that our Savior is coming and how we are supposed to know that he is for real, 
Jesus says nothing of the decorations or the candlelight services. He doesn't say, haven't you heard the hymn, O come all ye faithful, it's about me. No, what Jesus says to John is this. The blind will receive their sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. These are the signs, Jesus says. The poor, the blind, the leper, the lame. You know a Savior is coming, not because of Christmas cheer, but because those who are suffering and isolated and alone, they are getting noticed. It sounds a lot like other things you may remember Jesus saying. Things like this, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Prison again. It's not without meaning that John is in prison when he sends his message to Jesus. Prison is one of the most alienating and isolating circumstances in human life. Matthew, the writer of this story, is intentional about mentioning that John the Baptist is in prison when he writes to Jesus. Matthew is intentional about that because he wants you to know that if you feel isolated or alone or are searching for the real meaning of Christmas, there is someone, there is at least one in this season of tinsel and lights and carols who understands what's going on inside of you. Some of the most eye-opening experiences I've had in my ministry have taken place in prisons. I had the chance in graduate school to take an entire semester class inside of Riverbend Maximum Security Prison outside of Nashville. We studied prison writing throughout the ages. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Dr. King, John the Baptist... We studied those texts side by side with people who are incarcerated today. And we did it by traveling to the prison each Tuesday night for class. The men in that class were sorrowful and regretful. They had made serious mistakes and they knew it. And they were isolated and lonely as a result. Prison is a lonely place to be. But those men were also intelligent and insightful. They were deeply aware of what was most important to them in a much more profound way than I usually am. These men lacked the luxuries and comforts we all experience, so they clung so much more strongly to the little things that kept them human. The chance to pray together to read and study together, 
The opportunity on those Tuesday evenings to share something as simple as a smile or a handshake with someone who showed them concern. I don't mean at all to glorify their experience, for prison life is about as hard as it gets. And it gets harder all the time for more and more people, most of them black and brown and poor. Did you know that in the last 30 years, beginning with drug laws in the 1980s, the United States prison population has grown from 300,000 to over 2 million in the last 30 years. Did you know that we now incarcerate a higher percentage of our black population than South Africa did at the height of apartheid? It's not pleasant stuff to talk about on Sunday morning. But then again, when Jesus sent word to John the Baptist about the poor, the blind, and the lame, he knew that that stuff was unpleasant. So did you notice that Jesus finished his message by saying, And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. This is hard stuff to talk about, and Jesus knows it. But we have to first acknowledge the broken parts of our lives and our life together if we want those things to get better. Those statistics I just told you came from a powerful book by Michelle Alexander. It's called The New Jim Crow, and our Knox book group read it last month. Michelle Alexander is one of the leading voices in our country in the fight for prison reform. And in the midst of the statistics and legal insights she shares, she never forgets the individual stories of isolation that are really at the core of her holy work. In the dedication of her book, she names many audiences for whom she is writing, and she closes by saying, last but definitely not least, I am writing this book for all those trapped within America's latest caste system. You may be locked up or locked out of mainstream society, but you are not forgotten. It's a message to prisoners, but for all of us, don't you see that the very same message is the essence of Christmas? If you are feeling alone in some way this holiday season, the good news of the coming of Jesus is that you are not forgotten, no matter who you are. The good news of Jesus is that he is not coming for the sake of those whose Christmas will be nearly like a picture print by courier and eyes. Christ's good news of salvation is coming first and foremost for those who need it. Christ's love is there most of all for those who are hurting, for those who are genuinely exploring what in their life will lead them to deep and real joy. We have a prison ministry here at Knox. 
The people who volunteer in our prison ministry understand the search for deep and real joy in life. The kind of joy that comes from offering a listening ear and a word of hope to those who need it most. They visit people twice a month, people who are locked up and trying to navigate their way through another day. Last week, our prison ministry gathered and they studied the same scripture that we read here in worship, a story about John the Baptist. And one of the members of that group shared an insight about John the Baptist and what his story has to say to all of us. John wasn't Jesus, that guy said. He was a simple man, a regular human being like the rest of us who found his deep joy in life because he recognized his limitations and he trusted God to take charge of his life. He let go of his selfish ambitions and the detailed worldly desires and through doing that he became the mouthpiece of the coming of Jesus the one who would heal the sick and serve the poor and set the prisoners free. That message was helpful to one of the prisoners in that Bible study last week, one who acknowledged that he had lost control of many of the things in his life, so he's going to need to put more trust in God. That setting is so different than ours. But is the message not the same for many of us? We try so hard at this time of year to create the perfect life, to get everything ready, to hide all of our flaws and hope that nobody gets in a fight at the party, hope that no one feels the pain that you are carrying because they might not understand. The good news of this season, my friends, is that Jesus does see you. And Jesus does understand what is going on inside. The good news of this season is that Jesus is the one who sends word back to John in prison and says, do you want to know if I'm for real? The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. Jesus sees John suffering in prison. He sees all kinds of people who suffer. And Jesus sees you too, struggling to make yourself strong in your own broken places. He wants to walk with you past the little things that bring surface-level happiness at this time of year and into deeper places in life where real joy is found. Our prison ministry is one of the many ways that in this place people are finding deep joy in service to others. If you want to hear more about it and perhaps get involved, Jim Wunker can tell you about it. If you don't know who Jim Wunker is, ask a couple people. He's not hard to find. The great irony of this happy season of Christmas 
is that this season might be one that contains joy for you. But this season is not entirely happy, and everybody knows it. Think about it in the simplest of ways. All of the best Christmas stories, even beyond the Bible, are about broken characters who dig deep, who abandon the empty chase for happiness and find real joy. You can think about it in the simplest of Christmas stories. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, they used to laugh and call him names. The Grinch, whose heart was two sizes too small and grew three sizes bigger that day. George Bailey, the richest man in town. These are all broken characters with something deeply troubling them. They all feel isolated and alone, each of them in their own way. They're John the Baptist-like characters waiting for the miracle of Christmas to open them to the joy that was right in front of them all along. The Christmas story is about finding peace and love in the simple gift of a friend who cares. Another person who needs help. A chance to love others as God has loved us. The Christmas story captures the imagination of all kinds of lonely people, all kinds of troubled people who find joy. Why not you? Why not you?